This episode is brought to you by Consumer Voice, the premier hub for product reviews and ratings. Find detailed analysis of the best products in every category so you don't get burned on a bad purchase again. Head over to consumervoice.org to learn more. I'm sure you've seen an online course that has done very well and gotten seven figures. And while there are so many online courses out there, not all of them perform that well. But what if I told you in this episode, you will learn some of the strategies you can use to build your very own successful online course and do the marketing so you get engaged students in your courses. So that's what we're going to cover in this episode. Our guest who joins us today started with a thriving career as a consultant in the energy industry, working with a variety of clients like the Department of Energy, Native American tribes, and Fortune 500 companies. And he created a training course on the side, which eventually generated the same type of money he was making as a consultant. And since then, he has dedicated himself to helping online education companies and course creators to break through the noise and fill their programs with committed, high-quality students and helping them make a good living while having a positive impact. So our guest who joins us is none other than Billy Bros. Billy, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Billy, it is a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and the online course industry is booming right now. So I'm wondering if you could share with us a little bit on the backstory of how you got in and some of the things that helped you with getting students to your course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is booming right now, isn't it? It's just uh, taking off. So it's a really cool time, but uh, it presents some challenges as well if you want to get into this, because as you can imagine, there's a lot of competition out there too, people trying to sell online courses. But uh, I'll talk about that more in a few minutes. I'll tell you how I got into this. It's kind of a crazy story. So as you mentioned, I sold home beer brewing courses online. And uh, and that's really what broke me free from from the nine to five world. And you know, I'm not the typical entrepreneur who's like, yeah, I was in the nine to five world and I just completely hated it. I hated my coworkers. I dreaded going into work every day. I actually really liked my coworkers and I really liked what I was doing. It was really cool. But as you mentioned, I was working in renewable energy. So I was working on solar power projects, wind power projects, biomass projects, like stuff that I'm still pretty interested in. Uh, so maybe that's why it took me, took me a good six years before I, uh, before I left, before I jumped ship. And, uh, and really what it was, and I knew from the day that I sat down at that desk, the, the very first day of that job, that my time was limited there. Because like, I mean, you're obviously an entrepreneur, right? Like you've done, we're just talking about your books, you wrote 19 books. That's incredible, right? Like you like, so like you like to create content, you like to create, right? And in that job, I wasn't really creating. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I was getting handed a plate of work and I was doing it, but I wanted to do my own thing. So, uh, so, you know, being fresh out of college with that job, obviously uh, beer was something that was very top of mind to me, having just gone through four years of college and getting to, uh, getting into home brewing in college. Cause I was like, Hey, we're, we're drinking plenty of beer. We might as well start making our own. So, uh, my roommates and I got into that. So that was the, that was the thing. That was the natural, um, pathway for me out of that career was at nights and on weekends, I would go home and start teaching beer brewing classes online or start writing blog posts and so that's what led me to online courses and eventually um, working with other online course creators that um, that business and um, and as much as I loved it it was really a stepping stone into what I'm doing now Mm. which is working with a variety of yes online course creators but you said the word earlier this is the way I look at it uh, these days online education companies because you really have to look at it in a holistic way 
And it's, if you just want to sell one online course on the side, generate some passive income, you, you can do that. It's getting tougher and tougher these days. Yeah. I would say that if you want to make it work, you really do have to treat it like a business. And so that's why the, the companies I work with, yes, they have courses, but they're also getting more sophisticated than that. They're providing more services than that. So coaching, consulting, sometimes even done for you services. So it's really a whole um, ecosystem of uh, education and skill transfer. And there's not just one product. Billy brings up a great point because when someone buys one of your courses, that's someone who's more likely to buy from you again. So many people, they're just focused on acquisition that they forget about their existing customer base and engaging with that base to giving them specific content that they would find valuable. So like, for instance, if you go through like a beginner course, the natural follow-up would be an advanced course. So that's why Billy brings up a really great point. Think of it as a business where you create multiple training courses instead of just having one that you do on the side if you want to make this your full-time thing. So with your first course, can you just talk about some of the marketing strategies that work to go like more advanced into like overall course marketing? But I would like to hear the marketing you were doing for your first course that had momentum. Yeah. Yeah, let me, um, let me give you three big things that worked. So the first one was building the audience first. That was, a, that was a key thing. And frankly, that was largely by accident. I mean, I tell people now, like, hey, this is a good strategy. Start by building your audience first. And it's true. I mean it. Um, but when I was doing it, I mean, my audience building was really two things. It was a long-term and a short-term approach. The long-term approach was creating content. So I wrote over 500-some articles for that website. And it still brings 30 to 50,000 unique visitors per day to it. Um, I sold it a number of years ago, but I'm still in touch with the new owner. Uh, and the short-term strategy was, so that was the SEO route. The short-term strategy was Twitter. And that was just me having fun talking to a bunch of beer people on Twitter. So I, so I would get a dogfish at 90 minute IPA and write a little review of it. And then all these beer people would reply to it and be like, Oh, I hate that beer. Oh, I love that beer. And, uh, and I got thousands of followers that way. And, uh, and then, Eventually, this was even really before I launched my courses, but when I did launch the courses, I had this fishing pond already built and people who knew me and liked me and trusted me. So that was how I got traffic initially. Uh, then obviously the other side of this is conversion, right? And there were two things for that. So the first one was, and this is still something I'm really adamant about, and it's doing customer research. And I would get on the phone with my prospects. I just hit up people on my email list and be like, hey, I'm up to something. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, where I can help you with this. So I'll get them on the phone and not try to sell anything, but just ask questions. Tell me about your process for brewing an IPA. And then they would walk through it. I might sense a little bit of like hesitation around something. And then I would say, oh, tell me more about that. Why do you do it that way? Well, how does that affect you? And, uh, and that was really what led to uh, creating good products that people actually wanted to buy and, and validating these ideas before doing what most people do, which is going to a cave for eight months and record this highly polished video course, right? And come out with it and be like, who wants to buy? And then there's no one there. Or they're like, I don't want that. That's lame. Uh, which I did. I, you know, trust me, I, I learned from experience. I didn't just get this right um, from the start. Been there before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know how it is. Yeah. So, um, so that was the second thing. And the third thing was, okay, I have this great product that I know, I know people want. How do I sell this? And that's where, that's where I was kind of surprised because, and I was kind of embarrassed because I went to business school. I mean, I got my MBA and uh, you know, I thought I was just like this smart business dude, but those skills helped me in that other job where I was a consultant working with these huge companies. But 
it wasn't my job to sell anything, right? Like we, we had contracts already and then my bosses would just put it on my table and I had the work there. So I never considered, oh yeah, well they, <laughs> they probably had a tough time selling those deals. And now I had to do the same thing. I had to sell my own product. Uh, so I did some research and learned about this thing called copywriting, which I thought was a legal term at first. And then I realized that was too. copywriting. You too? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it was a book by um, Mark Ford. It was, you know, a success book when I was young. And I was like, why is he talking about copywriting? This stupid legal thing. Like, how do I make money? So then I learned it's copywriting with a W, which is essentially yeah. just salesmanship and print. And so once I learned that, and it's very, um, it's really a formula you can follow. Like, it's very scientific because yeah, I'm not like a natural creative type. So I learned the formulas and I saw the increase in conversions to my email list and to my products. And so those three things together, really building the audience first, doing research to see what they want, and then converting them with really compelling copywriting. Those were really the keys to success. Copywriting is such a vital skill. I'm happy you brought that up. And legal, I mean, I thought legal too when I first came across it, but copywriting, there's a few great books out there. Ray Edwards is definitely a copywriter who I learn a lot from and maybe someone you want to check out if you want to explore that a little deeper. I want to jump into because we just talked about how you promoted your first course. Like, How has that whole process changed since you have helped a lot more people with this? Like, is it still like Twitter engaging with people one-on-one -on -one because you see a lot of Facebook ads and that seems to be the big thing right now for course creators. So what would you say has really changed in stuff we should focus on for now? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. You know, so it really hasn't changed a whole lot like that three, those three things are still really the foundation of what I teach and what I use and what I really believe in. It's really just more so adding on new layers to it. So for example, you mentioned Facebook ads. I don't think most course creators, well, I'll put it this way. I think a lot of course creators use Facebook ads way too early. Mm. And I, I see them using Facebook ads and they haven't even, and then there's big things missing. Like, hey, there's no testimonials on your sales page or hey, you haven't even validated this offer yet. So I like in ads, paid ads, paid traffic to, uh, fuel that you would pour into an engine to make the car go faster. But if the engine is broken or half built, the car's not going to go anywhere. So it doesn't matter how much fuel you pour in. Mm. Right. So I think it takes, I think one of the problems is that um, a lot of people preach sort of a one size fits all approach for everyone. And really every business is different. It depends on what stage you're at. So if you've already, if you've been up and running for a number of years, you're already, you've validated your ideas, your courses, um, you've got testimonials, you're getting consistent results then it might be a good idea to go to paid traffic. Um, but you need to know what that entails because it's usually more complicated than most people think. You got to have an ad budget for testing and so on. Uh, so, you know, what, um, what we found works really, so lo and behold, what works really well at the end of the day, the, the thing that works best is creating a really great product. So it's really easy to market a great product. So what we're seeing now in the, in the field of online education is innovation in the, on the product side of things. So my clients, like they have a, they have a amazing courses. I mean, they're teaching synchronous courses versus asynchronous for the most part, which means teaching them live. So they have a schedule and they have live classes. They have private communities. Um, a few of my clients even have alumni mentors even coming back, people who had graduated from the previous versions of the course and are now coaching the new students who are going through. They're doing live meetups. They're doing um, coaching calls. So that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier about all the competition that's coming in. It's like, well, it makes sense, right? If you want to stand out, create a better product that everyone raves about. 
and then get the message out there. But those tools are widely available and we, and we know about most of those social media, email, et cetera. And it's interesting how it definitely all boils down to having a great product and that's definitely not something to be overlooked. But with the increase in competition, creating a great course is no longer good enough. I mean, for like, I have a lot of courses on Udemy. So in like 2010 or 12, whenever it was getting started, it was really easy to create a course and do pretty well there. Now there's a lot more competition on a place like Udemy, but also if you look at Skillshare, Teachable, and people who just host on their own websites. So you've got the scenario where like an industry such as self-publishing, you have hundreds of different courses and great content is certainly a part of it, but then how do we promote our course so that people know they have to buy ours instead of someone else's. Mm, yeah. Well, the first thing is doing the work up front to position yours differently so that you do carve out a unique niche for yourself. This is what Seth Godin calls the purple cow. So a big mistake that uh, a lot of people make is they just create another photography one-on-one course. And there's a million of those out there. So you're not going to, it doesn't matter how good your Facebook ads are, how good your Twitter game is. If people see your courses like everyone else's, then you're, you're sort of doomed from the start. So you don't need to follow the traditional education route where you do a beginner's course, intermediate course, and advanced course. That's thinking inside that paradigm. You want to think outside the box a little bit and think about in terms of results. So for example, I, and I, I made that mistake myself. My first course in the home beer brewing niche was, Surprise, surprise, uh, intro to brewing beer. <laughs> and, that, and that worked out great. That, that did very well. But what I actually focused on, okay, what's, what's something emotional? What's something that like, people can really like, get excited about? Um, what's an outcome that they can get? And I did this market research. I created a course that was about how to create your own recipes. Not how to create great recipes. That's part of it. They were good tasting. But it was on how to create recipes you can truly call your own. So you notice that speaks to something that speaks to pride, right? That, that um, a situation where you hand your friend your beer and they take a sip and, and then they ask you, where'd you get this recipe? And you say, yeah, I came up with it on my own, right? So positioning your course like that, like where someone like sees that and is like, holy crap, I need to have that. Uh, that's the best thing you can do from the start. Um, but once you have that, then what I would say is pick, a, pick one primary publishing platform. So this is your top of funnel. This is where you need to, to reach people, right? You always need to have fresh blood coming in. And look, most people who do something like this have way too many things on their plate already. And the last thing you want to do, because content takes so much con time to create, you know, right? You know better than anyone. You create a lot of content, I can tell. There's a lot that goes into it. And YouTube, Facebook, you know, blogging, all that. Sure, you can repurpose your content, but I would say pick one primary publishing platform and just stick with it, whether it's blogging or podcasting or YouTube. There's other ones, but those are three good ones. And then finally, I'm a huge advocate of email marketing. And what we're seeing right now is email rates are through the roof. Just given the whole Corona-19 situation, people are, you know, people are checking their email more. But also, it's quieter there. I mean, you go on social, and it's just like doom and gloom everywhere and news and celebrity stuff. And yeah. <laughs> who needs that, right? So it's relatively quiet on the email list. And, um, and I, I take a very different approach to email marketing than most. I don't treat it like a, like a company sending a newsletter. I treat it like a, a, a trusted advisor writing a letter to someone that they're guiding. And when you take that approach and you show up 
frequently in their inbox. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of emailing often, like multiple times per week, if not every day. Uh, then good things happen. So combine that then, send them to a sales page with good copywriting, and you got yourself some sales. And with the emailing, I always go for at least once a day. And some people may say that's way too much, but the people who do unsubscribe are probably not going to buy from you anyway. And emailing once a day means you're one of the 100 plus emails that shows up. So that's why it's not such a big deal to email your audience once a day. And that goes for you posting more on social media, creating more content, blog, podcast, YouTube. You definitely want to start with one of those and then build up when appropriate. So podcasting and YouTube are two places I focus a lot of time on. Blogging is going to be something I add back in very shortly because that was the first path that I took. So it is good to build up on occasions, but I do want to address how do we balance the build up in free content and the build up in not just new training course content, but updating an old course as well. Mm, okay. So the questions were, how do we balance uh, creating free content with uh, creating content on the paid side? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So the free content, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think, I think it can be a big time suck. And I think that people are often just cranking out free content without a purpose or intention or without really knowing what they're doing and just kind of hoping it'll lead to sales. So I would say on that side of things, uh, you really have to be intentional with your free content. Like it should be, you got to take the standpoint that if I know my customer avatar really well, and you should, then the best thing for them is to take my program. If they are, if they are in their journey where I think that they are, the free content alone uh, is not going to do it. They need, they need this environment, right? It's like the teacher can't just give someone a textbook and say, that's all you need, right? The teacher teaches to the textbook. So I think the purpose of the free content is really not so much to give, you know, tons of tips and, and crunchy like how-to type content. I think it's to uh, be more of like the guidance counselor than the teacher and saying, okay, well, you're in this situation. Well, I think that this is best for you then. And if you do it that way, you, you take that intentional approach, then you're going to talk to more highly qualified people. You're going to get people um, more insights and ahas, and you're going to get more people into your course, obviously. So that's on the free side. On the paid side, yeah, so it's really a combination of updating your, your existing stuff and rolling out new programs as well. I mean, people go back and forth on this. Some will just maybe iterate once on their course and say, okay, I'm good. I'm going to move on to something else. On the other hand, I have a client who just did the 10th release of their online course, the 10th mm -hmm. major, major iteration. And they do this uh, live model, this synchronous model. So I would say you really have to, you have to benchmark it somehow, right? Like you have to say, okay, well, what are my standards for this course? And if people are not getting the results that you promised, then maybe it's time to, to update it. Or maybe there's something new in the marketplace happening where you should update it. Uh, or maybe you don't need to update that old course and you say, look, they finished this. I solved one problem. That always opens up a new problem. Now they're in this situation or further along, but they're facing, they're fighting new battles, right? Because they're always growing and fighting new battles. So maybe you roll out something new to help them with the next chapter in their life. And I like how Billy mentions benchmarks because sometimes it doesn't make sense to update a course. But if there's a really big change, like if you look at any course around any social network, those social networks are going to change. If you created an Instagram course five years ago, you don't have anything about IGTV or stories or live and you're missing a lot of content, but 
you don't have to update a course like month after month if there's no new stuff coming or no new important changes that happen. So it's important mm -hmm. to think about from an updating standpoint, when does it make sense to update? And if not, that just gives you more time to work on new training courses and continuing to create free content. And with training courses, the launch, there are some people who they gather a lot of affiliates for their courses. Do you go in that space of getting affiliates? And if so, what would you say are some good strategies for recruiting affiliates? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of using um, partners and developing partner programs, uh, affiliates, joint venture partners, kind of this different terms for sort of the same thing. Uh, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about doing it at the right stage, though. Mm -hmm. And so what you don't want to do is be releasing your course for the very first time and say, oh, I need to sell this thing. Let me go recruit a bunch of affiliates. Because you don't know if that thing converts or not. So what you want to do is prove your concept first validate the course first and you really need to do this if you want to attract the top tier affiliates i mean they're going to turn you away if you come to them without any kind of numbers or history behind you so what you want to do is come to them and say hey look at the results that i'm getting i've launched this course a few times now run it a few times here are the conversion rates and here's why i think it would be a perfect fit for your audience um, but actually even before that what you want to do is before you ask you want to give so you want, to, you want to first do your research, so figure out who this would be a good fit for, and then see what they're promoting and promote their stuff. So retweet their articles, you know, share their YouTube videos, comment on their videos. They're going to start to take notice. And they're like, who's that guy? Who's Mark? You know, this guy is like really, really into my stuff. And then when you reach out, you can imagine how much more well-received your request is going to be, right? If they already know who you are versus you just coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, you want to promote my course, you know, which a lot of people do. So it's really powerful because you can, you can uh, multiply your results. I mean, say you have a 10,000 person email list. Uh, great. It's a good amount of email subscribers. But what if you found 10 people who had 10,000 people each, right? You just really multiplied and everything else the same, conversion rates the same you have a much, much bigger launch on your hands, which is great. Uh, so that's the upside. Um, but at the same time, it's a people business and it's really high touch. It's relationship building. It's not just blasting affiliate links around uh, if you want to do it right, in my experience. So you need to, so you just need to be cognizant of that and approach it correctly. And I love how Billy says, don't just approach affiliates. Start with the relationship because that's how you're going to get people to promote you. I always take notice when someone's sharing an episode on Instagram story or commenting on a YouTube video and people have different social networks where they're on more often. You want to figure out what that social network is for each affiliate and just comment on their stuff, like their stuff, retweet their stuff as Billy mentions, because that is a way to get noticed. It's one thing to say, Hey, I have a new affiliate offer versus, Hey, I have a new affiliate offer. I'm the guy who's been retweeting you, liking you and leaving comments. So that's a really great way to build the relationship in advance. So it's better to do that versus starting the relationship when you need people, like build the relationship first, and then people are more likely to see what you're up to. And speaking of what people are up to, Billy has been doing some really awesome work. So uh, with that in mind, I'm wondering, where can we go to keep following your work and journey? Yeah, absolutely. So um, best way to join my email list on billybross.com. 
um, like I said, a, a kind of an old school marketer. Like I studied old school copywriting and direct mail and all that. And, and I really like the idea of a, of a newsletter and just being writing that letter to a friend. So, so yeah, so I email frequently as I recommend, but there's good stuff in there. A lot of war stories from the trenches because I'm very much involved in this market and, um, and a lot of um, great marketing strategies apply to the, the modern world, which is really my, my sweet spot, taking these timeless marketing strategies and layering on these new technologies that we have. We'll have that link down below. Make sure you sign up for Billy's newsletter because if you guys enjoy this episode, I can only imagine how great the newsletter is. Billy, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Keep up the great work.